Trading Nut, episode 38. When we find things like the reversal patterns, big wicks, volatility, momentum, then, you know, the boys really get excited. The market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax, learn the process. Candlestick pattern trading is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial, trading, or investing advice of any kind. What's up, traders? Welcome to another installment of the Trading Up Podcast. I'm your host, Cam Hawkins, and today we've got another past guest on the show. Now, he was 30-odd episodes ago. I actually can't believe it's been 30 episodes in between. Uh, We've got Richard Jackson back on from Jackson Capital and uh, a few other things that he runs there as well. Now, we've got not the same kind of interview that I did the first time. We've got a slightly different interview, and there's also... This time, I have done a video with Richard as well, where, I mean, I've got to say, I was blown away by the detail that he goes into in terms of how he looks at a chart, and I think you guys will be quite amazed as well. So, after listening to the interview, I urge you to jump on the YouTube channel, and uh, or jump on the show notes, find the video, it'll be on the video there, uh, and check out the video that we recorded as well, So, which, which is, guys, this is this is exclusive stuff here okay you want to check this out uh so we're going to get into that in a second now before we do there are a couple of other things i want to talk about one is that i've just recently posted something on instagram probably my facebook as well and my twitter um when i say probably i i by the time this goes live it will be up there now this is uh, about a future guest and you're going to have want to have a look at this graphic because it does tell a very interesting story okay so go and check me out on instagram it's just trading that same with facebook and twitter it's metatrader cam so uh, check that out you'll be able to find links on the site as well now before we get into this interview with richard I just want to bring to your attention something that's come to to my attention in the last, actually very heavily in the last couple of days, but more so in the last week or so. Now, it comes down to just the fact that there's so much negativity around the world. And with everyone in everyday life and pretty much everything you do, there's all these this negative energy, right? And... It does tend to impact people if you let it get into your life. So what I've decided to do is just get rid of all that negative stuff that comes my way. So if if you've got negative stuff in your life, I recommend that you try and block it out as best you can, whether or not that be emails from people that are being negative, whether or not it's people that uh, you see on a regular basis who are negative. I mean, look, these people, sometimes they don't even know what they're doing, all right? I mean, I, I did call it out when I was at a, uh, a job a, a couple of couple of contracts ago. Uh, there was somebody who was extremely negative. I mean, it was ridiculous. Every single thing that came out of their mouth was negativity. And do you know what I did? <laughs> I called it out. After two weeks, I called it out. I said, look, you're just being negative, and um, that's a negative look at how the, how the situation could be, and that's why you think it's not going to work. They didn't talk to me ever again. In fact, they I think they hated me after that. 
probably because that was their entire life. Their entire life was built around this negativity and being called out on it. It's like you're sort of destroying what my entire life is built on and saying it's not good. The ego gets involved and all that sort of stuff. So um, I just wanted to bring this to your attention, guys. So if you feel that you're being negative, if you've got a lot of negative self-talk, there's ways and means to get through that. And look, I know this is a trading podcast and this is all sort of about a bit more about mindset and and mindset is a key part of trading. Um, I've been listening to a hypnosis thing. It's a free podcast. Uh, I think his name's Daniel Curry. And uh, and he's got a, he he has a thing there around positive self talk or getting rid of negative self talk, and he talks about basically building these pathways. So when negative stuff comes up in your life and it's in your mind and ticking over, you basically you need to acknowledge it and then turn it around and give it a positive spin. Okay, and this will hopefully um, with the hypnosis it actually does work. I'm, I'm quite surprised that now I'm looking back at things now in the, in the last few weeks and going, man, this stuff really works, and you don't even know it's working. So, guys, check that out. The other thing I saw was on, uh, or I listened to a podcast by a famous podcaster called Gary Vaynerchuk, and he's launched some shoes. And this has all happened in the last few days. He's launched some shoes called, uh, I think they're 004 positivity and optimism okay so it's all about positivity and optimism and so that hit me as well and then I was listening to yet another I I can't remember what it was I think it was a there was something else I can't remember what it was but anyway it basically was like look you need to have a positive you know it was just going about positive positivity so guys I want you to take a positive look at your life this week and how can you look at life through a positive lens as opposed to a negative lens lens so when things aren't going well just say you know this is giving me a lesson things are going to get better for whatever reason I don't know look that's my little rant for today before we get into the show with uh, Richard Jackson if you've got a positive message for me you can hit me up on uh, any of the social media channels or just leave a comment on the blog All right, guys, so without further ado, let's get into this fantastic interview with Richard, and remember to check out the video that we do after the show uh, on the uh, tradingnut.com website, or if you're on the YouTube channel, check it out there. All right, guys, so we've got Richard Jackson back on the show here. He was episode seven, which I I thought, you know, wasn't that long ago, but in fact, it's, it's probably about 30 episodes ago from... Uh, when we're recording this now. So, Richard, how are you? How are things over there in uh, in Melbourne? Uh, very good, thank you. And uh, thanks for allowing me to come back on. Well, look, uh, I mean, it's not so much allowing. I mean, I've, I've had to sort of reach out to you after quite a few of the listeners came back to me and said, look, you've got to get this guy back on because there's a there's a whole bunch of information that he's, he's well, you, you know, you've told these listeners that have come to you direct and that that really needs to be shared with with other traders out there. Unique stuff that we didn't touch on in the first episode. It was probably because it was episode seven, and we're just getting to know you. So I thought we'd get you back on and uh, and really sort of get a get a good feel for some of the answers to the questions that these guys felt that other traders out there should hear about. And it's mainly to do with uh, what you call convergence slash divergence, which is probably a bit different from what a lot of other. Uh, traders out there or the way they they use that terminology and then some other things we'll touch on uh, around your trading styles kinds of different trading styles and um, 
questions you ask yourself around your trading plan as well. So, Richard, thanks again for coming back on the show. So, I think maybe let, let's just start off with um, give the guys a little bit of a background for those that haven't heard your episode, episode seven uh, of who you are, what you what you do, and where you come from, and then what's happened in the last. It's probably been a, a good six months uh, since we last had you on October last year. So, yeah, it is a good um, almost seven months. Yeah, seven months. Wow, yeah. that's a long time. They've just made time flies, doesn't it? It does indeed. Um, yeah. um, okay, so a bit of background on me. Uh, Richard Jackson from Lepus Proprietary Trading um, and Jackson Capital. Um, I am, I've am. i been trading for probably about 15 years, cut my teeth uh, early on, You know, getting my first account on stocks. Uh, stocks were a little bit too boring for me. I, I prefer the derivative market, a little bit faster, a little bit more... Uh, suited for you know young blood out there um, I certainly wasn't looking for you know hot, holding you know BHP shares and looking for dividends or anything like that I was more interested in a little bit more fast pace and um, you know speculative only didn't really want to own anything so that's why I like the uh, derivatives so I cut my teeth on e-mini S&P and Russell 2000 futures trading them all night obviously and um then uh, you know, you know, being a night owl kind of like wears thin after a while. So moved over into the FX space and using it, uh, now CFDs on uh, commodities and indices. So uh, you know, I prefer prefer that. Um, also, you know, my history is a coder or computer science and electrical engineering it allowed me to be able to, uh, um, I guess you know, understand computers and uh, use a lot of algorithmic trading. Um, but it, however, since I've been mo- moved into the prop firm space, um, we certainly still use a lot of algos, but uh, I also teach um, or train uh, individuals to become uh, traders for me. Brilliant. Great. Well, look, that's a, that's a good summary of what you do and what we sort of spoke about in the first uh, interview. What about right. the last seven months? What's been going on with you guys? Well, we're just, we're growing a little bit more. Um, you know, we've got some more funding out of Europe. Um, whereas we're also uh, getting more funding here in Australia. Uh, and, um, and we've got a lot of guys, we, a few guys who actually came from the last podcast have actually become traders of mine. So uh, I've trained them up in my strategies and and uh, taught them how to trade, how I view the market, you know, how to be disciplined, and also how to really correct their behaviour. Okay, which is probably the biggest uh, downfall of a lot of retail traders out there in their bedrooms. Um, a lot of them fall apart because they can't, they don't have the discipline, and they don't have the accountability to be able to stay consistent, so which is very important for any trader, especially if you're in a prop firm, you've always got somebody looking over your shoulder to make sure that you're doing the right thing. So a lot of these guys have uh, looked, looked for me to become more of a mentor or a coach to make sure that they stay consistent and uh, get those probabilities on their side. And what do you think the, the, the big, I suppose, changing point or turning point or or even sort of technique that you use with these guys to make sure they do, you know, stay disciplined and don't grow an account over the course of two months and then, you know, one day destroy all that work. Is there anything that sort of 
I suppose well, any of the combination. Tech, yeah, I mean, you've, you've obviously got experience doing it, so. Yeah, okay. So there's a combination of things, okay? Learning how to do, uh, learning technical analysis is one aspect. Learning fundamental analysis is another aspect. Uh, learning your cognitive biases and heuristics is a completely separate subject on its own, right? So it is very important that we combine all those things together. And what I guess the difference is between uh, somebody who is on their own versus somebody who, you know, has to come in and see me with a very detailed and perfect trading journal, right, is that they're highly accountable to every single action that they make. So just to give you an example, it's very easy for you to sit in, in, in your home or whatever it is uh, and make a mistake and then just forget about it. Okay, here you make a mistake. It's not going to get it's not going to get forgotten about, right? So I guess that's really the difference, um, and also you know a full understanding of everything. And I guess this what brings us into you know the convergence trader type of idea that I've got, right? Uh, if and if you don't mind me continuing on here, go for it. Um, is that you know typically a trader will you know read a book on this or that, you know, a bit of Fibonacci over here, think it's Fibonacci. Uh, look at uh, support resistance uh, or, you know, market harmonics and think it's all about the patterns or do this or do that. They flick from strategy to strategy and then they'll go on to, you know, doing, having a, uh, going into a chat room or, you know, getting some online education where, you know, education is one thing, but in the end, you know, who are you reporting to? Nobody, right? What? How I uh, train my guys to come and trade for me is that we put, we we uh, look to combine the whole thing together. Okay, so we look at we look at the market or look at our trading, not just as a probabilistic mechanism, but also as a combination of not only uh, Fibonacci levels, um, support resistance levels. Um, uh, moving average levels, uh, fundamental or hurdles or whatever you want to call them, whole numbers, um, you know, looking at the fundamentals. We try and converge all of that information together before we make a, a trading decision, right? So a lot of what we're doing as traders is more filtering the market out to find high probability trades. And how do we filter, filter that market out, right? Mm. So... When I, you know, a lot of us think of, uh, we most of us probably already know what divergence is, and if you don't know what it is, it's a, it's a uh, separation between pricing and the oscillator that goes along with that pricing. So basically, divergence is looking for weakness in a trend, and that's a potential reversal in the market. But what we do is we use, we certainly use divergence as a filter to filter out continuing a continuation of that trend but we also look for a number of different aspects as well and the main thing is is if we find a convergence point between fibonacci support resistance and some other major key uh, uh, support resistance level like a moving average or a whole number etc then that will be a satisfying a, a very important question that we have in our trading plan, okay? And that question is, 
these are, there's two questions that I ask myself every time that I sit down and I look at a chart. And this should be the same as what every trader should be doing as well, is that what are other traders seeing or what are they thinking? So stop thinking about what you're thinking. Think about what everybody else is thinking about, okay? And the second one is what's obvious to ourselves? What is obvious there? Is the divergence obvious? Is there support resistance levels that are obvious to us? Okay? If we can answer those two questions, then what we can do is we can start building a case around whether we should be getting in or whether we should be just leaving it alone. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Hey, just quickly, there's some guys in the background I can hear. Are you able to... Okay. Uh, can we All right. Let's just down? pause and I'll just, I'll, just tell, I'll just close the door. Okay. okay? over to you okay so once we can once we know or once we start thinking along those two lines right then we're going to start filtering out the, the 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 market so that we can really only focus on the highest of high probability trades okay so there's a number of different key things that we can use to filter out the market being you know volatility if there's if there's momentum in one direction, then we most likely to might want to continue in that direction. There's Elliott wave. Are we get what? Are we going to get in early enough on Elliott wave, or are we going to stay out once we've identified the fifth leg of Elliott wave, or are we on the ABC uh, retracement of Elliott? Uh, fundamental numbers like whole numbers or handles or whatever, like I said, breaking of trend lines, either horizontal trend lines or a diagonal trend lines. You know, so these are things that will keep us in and out. You know, where are we, we typically the market on the FX market as, as, as well, the, it usually stays within a range unless it breaks out in trends. And we all know that a the... Uh, the markets usually trend maybe two to three times in a year. Okay, so when are we going to identify, are we in a trending situation or are we in a range bound or, or you know, a consolidation type of uh, environment? So we've really got to be able to filter out which ones we can do, which, which type of um, support resistance levels are we going to look at under those different circumstances. So... So once we identify those type of things, then we can say, well, there's a lot of ducks lining up in a row here. So therefore, I'm going to switch over into my uh, entry conditions once we filter out the market. And once we've filtered out the market and we decide to go into our, fil- in our entry condition, then we look for the multiple areas of support and resistance, or what I call convergence point of multiple areas of support and resistance so that we can get in at the right level. Now, one of the levels that we use very specifically is, and it comes from Dow theory. Dow theory is a, is a precursor to Elliott Wave. Dow said that whenever we get a pullback in the market, it usually comes to hit 50 to 618 of the Fibonacci retracement. Okay? And that, if that lines up with other areas of support resistance, then that will be a high probability trade setup. Does that make sense? Yep, yep. So if there's a pullback, it's so the Dow theory was based on Fibonacci numbers, but he didn't know it. Is that right? He just well, sort of... that was yeah. That was before Fibonacci was really used a lot. It was just Dow said fifty percent, right? Right. I guess that Fibonacci now these days 
is that because we've got a lot of other traders uh, trading it and it has become a self-fulfilling prophecy, but that's okay to me, right? Because the market is built up of other people. They're, they're all doing the same thing that I'm doing, right? Um, even algos, when algos execute, they're based on what other people are thinking, mm. right? Because they've been designed by a human being, right? They don't just make themselves up, right? So, um, so if we can focus on what are other traders seeing or thinking, then we're going to have a uh, – we're on the right track, I guess. And, and just a question on this. So to, to be devil's advocate, I mean, with all these filters, is, it, is, it, is there a chance of analysis by – oh, sorry, paralysis by analysis? No. Well, that's the thing. That's where my training comes in, okay? Um, uh, we, there's, these opportunities exist all the time. Uh, we've just got to filter out which ones we want to take and which ones we don't want to take. Certainly, uh, all of my guys are always, you know, taking opportunities. You'll find what I do find between when they do start trading with me to when they finish, you know, my training is that they start trading a lot less. They don't trade more, um, which really shows that they're trying to find, you know, high probability trade setups. And I don't, I don't think, you know, I've never had analysis by paralysis because it's very formulated, you know, how we execute. And I suppose another question, that which might sort of help answer this in terms of like, I mean, yeah, because the market's fractal, it's essentially, you know, if you go down into lower time frames, you're always going to find a trend line or a Fibonacci level or this yeah. or that. I mean, do how do time frames sort of play a, play a part in this analysis? Okay. So you are, we're, we're always going to be able to, or we most 90% of the time we'll get a conflicting signals, okay, if we're just looking for the entry signal, okay? Yeah. That's why we have all the filtering to go along with it. Have we identified the trend? Are we in a trend? Are we in consolidation? Is there any reversal patterns present, head and shoulders, you know, wedges, all those sorts of things? Um, so... You know, when we identify high volatility, like a big wick, um, as a reversal pattern, then that you know that stuff gets us excited. There was one in the if if anybody wants who's sitting in front of their charts listening to this now, uh, there was an opportunity um, on the euro, probably yeah, on the euro on the thirty first of. Okay, here it is on the 20th of March, right? We had a big move to the upside on the one-hour chart and then that fell away straight away. So on that, if you look at it on a one-hour chart, it looks, you know, it looked like there was some news that came out then the then the price fell away to come to close below the low. Uh, then that was a great reversal uh, pattern to the downside, okay? Mm. That would have worked perfectly with our strategy, Okay. Um, similarly on the yen, uh, we had five legs of Elliott and then we had like a bit of a fake out opportunity and then that was a perfect trade to the downside. Um, so, you know, when, when you, you understand what you're looking at, um, uh, there's no paralysis there. Um, and, uh, you know, when we find things like the reversal patterns, big wicks, volatility, momentum, then, you know, the boys really get excited. Right. Okay, and so so out of out of all the 
all the different, uh, I suppose, things you use for your convergence, uh, what is there anything that you give more weighting to? Well, no, not necessarily. Yeah. Well, you know, we the main things I guess that we're looking for is volatility and reversal patterns. Okay. We've got to make sure that we count our Elliott waves correctly um, and, you know, keep our eye out for divergence, right? So there's no real – I do give a lot, a bit more weighting to, to momentum or volatility, um, but what we're trying to do is we're just trying to tick box each of the, each of the filtering conditions uh, to see which, which one – and we, I think that – I guess that's the art in it which one gives more, you know, whether we're more excited by the trade than least excited. So if we're looking for a, a trade and there's, you know, a reversal type trade, you know, like looking at ABC retracement on Elliott wave and there's no divergence there um, or there's, you know, momentum to the downside still or something like that, then we probably won't take it. So basically all we're doing is we're, we're behaving like we're, a barrister and a judge, right? Mm. Uh, the trader needs to convince the judge or build a case around why they should be getting into the trade or not, okay? Rather than it looking for very hard and fast rules. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, and this is, and I guess the thing is as well is that we don't make in and in, in this trading plan that we use. And this obviously this is just one trading plan of the three that I've got. Um, is that uh, it because there's a level of uh, consistency there, right? It will stop us making a unique decision on each individual trade. Because traders, I find, uh, especially the guys that come in and they're trying to make a unique decision on each individual trade tend to lose out on the probabilities. And that's and the thing is, is my argument always to them is, how can you possibly predict the future of, of a random process? We can only work in the pro- realm of probability. Right. Okay, yeah, that make, and that makes sense. And I think that's something that people um, tend to get tripped up on as well. Just uh, especially yeah. newbies. Now, what, one question, another question I have got is uh, around. I mean, like the likes of Elliott Wave. So when you know, I've heard people talk about it before, going, "Oh, you know, Elliott Wave. If you're either going to learn, you're either going to go Elliott Wave, or you're not going to do anything else. It's literally, it needs to be studied like some sort of um, thesis." I don't think so. I think Elliott Wave is a component to the whole uh, the whole plan. I mean, I, I would, I absolutely agree with anybody out there that uh, Elliott Wave is a very, very valid uh, tool to use. But I wouldn't use it alone. There's a, there's a really good guy out there, and this, I'm not, pl- I'm not getting anything out of this, right? Uh, his, its name, his name is uh, Elliott Wave Street. He does some videos um, on Elliott Wave, which are fantastic. But I don't take uh, the Elliott wave alone as my as the full story. I try and I look at everything else as well. Okay, cool. And, and in terms of like the guys learning Elliott wave, is it? Would you say it's sort of fairly easy for them to to, to pick it up? Or? Um, it, no, it's not. It's 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 not an easy concept. Um, 
one one mistake, and I, I think you touched on it before, and I kind of uh, segued away from it, is that you know flicking around time frames all the time, you know, mm. up and down between time frames, or using a higher time frame and then coming down to a five minute to get your entry, it's going to uh, hurt you a lot, right? What I would suggest, uh, if you're a longer term trader, stick to a, a daily four hour, one hour. Um, really look at your four hour for your Elliott wave count. Look at uh, the four hour for your for your uh, divergence, etc. Then pop down to a one hour uh, to look at levels and all those sorts of things. Okay, so um, you know, but if you if you're trying to be you know look at a one minute or a five minute chart for your entry based on a four hour chart, then you're going to get so many entries. It's ridiculous. So you, yeah, and you're going to do your own head in, right? Yeah. So just stick to wider time frames, or just choose: are you going to be a short-term trader or a long-term trader, right? I'm, and I'm certainly not saying uh, don't use your wider time frames to establish where support and resistance lies. Absolutely, do that, right? But don't sit there. Establish where your support and resistance is first when you first open up your chart for the day, and then stick to stick to the uh, five-minute. Don't keep flicking. All you know, all night or all day, okay? Because that'll do your head in. And and how do you, I think that's? I wonder if you can give an answer for this. So, I know one of the issues people have is working out whether or not they're a short-term trader or a long-term trader. Have you got any experience with helping people make that decision? Well, it's 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 a time thing, okay? If you're a short-term trader trading five minute on on uh, or you want to do tick charts on the S and P or you know you you know you're not going to get too much out of the Australian daytime, okay? You're going to be you know up during the Euro session and the US session. Um, for me, all of my guys, they'll trade you know four hour, one hour. Uh, for swing opportunities, we do go down to a five minute for our news release and our cover strategies, but that we know when the news releases are okay because we've got the calendar. But for our swing trading, you know, one hour, we, you know, we want the price to move. We're here to make money, right? So, um, and we and we want to have you know very um, you know fairly uh, low exposure on the market. Uh, so, you know, and those those type of setups are you know twenty four hours to seven days type of thing, and uh, yeah, so they can have a full time job at the same time. One question, and I think this sort of ties in a little bit to this last your last answer is, and somebody's asked me to ask this question in every show, and I, I always forget, but I'm remembering now. The trades that you guys place, where you teach your guys to place. Uh, is there a problem? Uh, what's the problem? What's the what's the ratio of market orders to limit orders? Oh, we we put uh, our new strategy is a market order, um, and our swing strategies are all limit orders, and that's that's actually good. I'm glad you asked that because there's two types of trading. Okay, there's one is evidence based trading, and they usually you usually pop in with a a, uh, a market order on evidence-based trading. So you're waiting for a candlestick close that are a bullish or bearish engulfing candle or something like that. Um, with 
uh, antagonistic style trading is that we expect something to happen at a certain level. So we'll have a limit order sitting in there waiting. Because we've got limit orders sitting in there waiting, you can have a setup or you can set your limit order up in the morning and come and visit it when you get home from work. Does that make sense? Yeah, so so uh, I'm trying to get my head around the terminology. So evidence-based is very much... Yeah. How does that work? So, so it's basically, is it more sort of you're well, looking at things and they're, as they're playing out, whereas, okay, what's so the other one? Antagonistic. Example, yeah, for example, our news release strategy. We wait for the news to come out. If we've got a difference between the actual and consensus by more than a certain uh, certain standard or coefficient on the certain standard deviation, then we wait for the the candle to close and then we'll enter in at market. Right. Okay. Yep. Um, with the antagonistic, which is our swing strategy, we expect there will be a reaction at our 5618 converging with other support resistance levels and we put our limit order in there waiting for it to get picked up. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. And so what percentage of uh, trades do you think are, are news-related versus uh, antagonistic? Um, news-related trades are uh, few and far between. You know, we might get one or two a month. Right. Okay, but they're very high probability. We've got a 99% win ratio on that. Wow. Okay. Uh, but a lot of doc- ducks have to line up in a row for that to happen. Uh, most of our swing stuff, uh, you know, will we'll take, you know, 12, 15 swing strategy uh, trades per month. Okay. And, um, okay, so it's very much sort of in the in the favor of, like, uh, limit orders on the swing strategy versus yeah, the news. And, and for the news, I mean, how does, or does spread play a part in what you're doing? Sorry, does does the spread widening widening across news play a part? Yeah, well, we wait until the, we wait until the end of the five minute candle, so the spread should be um, should have calmed down by then. Okay, all right, cool. Um, right now, you're going to talk a little bit around uh, the questions you might ask yourself when you're. I've already. Oh, yeah, you've already I've talked already about spoken that. Spoken about that. Oh, cool. Yep. Um, somehow I missed that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, what are other traders seeing or thinking oh, and what yeah, is yeah, obvious. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yep. Um, cool. So so what else What else do you want to tell us about this? Uh, what else can the listeners out there learn about this convergence style of trading? Well, I think, you know, you know, don't take what I've just said now and try and start trading it because you'll probably – fail um there's a there's a there's a a heuristic which is a cognitive bias out there called availability bias right availability heuristic it's a human trait where we take a small amount of information and think we know everything about it Mm. okay which is probably the the worst thing to do yep if there's any guys out there that want uh, me to teach them how to trade or mentor them into trading with accountability and all those sorts of things and potentially work for me one day, then uh, just jump over to leprosproprietarytrading.com.au and there's an application form there and I'll, I'll give them a call. Uh, if, they wanna, if they don't want to do that but just want to learn my strategies, then they can go over to uh, convergencetrader.com um, and they can access all of my online content, Okay. So there's two things for the traders 
if if anybody's out there wanting to know more. Okay, cool. And guys, we're going to jump on a video session just to go through what this convergence look like looks like as well, and get that up on the YouTube channel and up in the show notes so that you guys can see firsthand uh, what we've just described here, or Rich has just described here from uh, an, an audio format. You're going to see that what it looks like on a chart and. Uh, hopefully, uh, fill in the fill in the dots and uh, and cross the T's and all that sort of stuff. Now, there were a couple of other questions that I did have to ask you, which are sort of off topic sure. here, but um, but yeah. very useful for the guys to to hear your answer to. So, first question is, what's it like being the head trader of a prop firm? Um, my me uh, my trading i'm stepping right back from my actual trading um i'm very busy doing a lot of other things um one uh getting more funding uh two um you know doing podcasts like this and you know getting getting our name out there because we're always looking for traders um uh, so um my trading is as is actually taking a little bit more of a a back seat um i'm more relying on the guys to do the trading for me now um rather than myself so it's busy but it's you know sitting in front of the charts and you know talking trading all day which is you know great (laughs) (laughs) it's awesome (laughs) okay cool and so what about the what about what do you look for from a characteristics point of view when you're hiring guys to work for you um i guess what i'm looking for is uh you know, guys that, you know, are committed. Okay. Um, you know, it, you know, trading isn't something that, you know, you can do overnight. It's a, you know, and this is kind of what annoys me about, you know, some education firms or online education, you know, it's fairly limited. Um, you know, you learn what a head and shoulders is, you learn all the basic stuff, but you don't really, you know, you can't, you can't learn how to trade in a four day seminar. Okay. That's, that's, but that's, comes down to it right you need yep. you know and I, I, I you know when i started trading i was terrible you know i had to get a, a, my own mentor from chicago i had to get uh you know i went and uh you know spoke to guys in uh some prop firms in new york um you know i did a lot of work it took me five years to get to you know uh where i needed to be uh, because you know, I I fell into that trap where I was you know reading one book, thinking that was the holy grail, and then doing something else, then doing this, then doing that, and you know nothing worked, right? Until I really you know sat down and I had I had to be accountable to somebody, and I had to um, you know formulate my own plan so that I could I could believe in my probability. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. Um, and that sounds like, I mean, I, I suppose a, a more advanced journey from a lot of the other retail traders out there, but I suppose the key lesson for everyone listening is, guys, it's not going to happen in a four-day seminar. Um, no. Right, so last couple of questions. So how do you raise capital to trade? Uh, capital, capital raising is pretty difficult. It's not as easy as people think it is. Um, there's a lot of meetings that are involved. Uh, you have to talk to investors, you have to show them fact sheets, we have to make sure that we stay compliant with uh, all the regulation, things like that. If anybody wants to have a look at, at, at you know, at that website, it's jacksoncapital.com.au. Um, and, you know, we, you know, we have to, it's a slow grind. Um, uh, so you have to go, you know, introduce yourself, they have to, 
you know, you have to get the investors, you have to educate them on what they're getting themselves into, all those sorts of things. So it's it's a process, but, you know, it's I guess that's uh, what needs to be done, you know, to get the money in the door. Cool. And and who are, who are your primary investors and, and, ha- and who can participate? Okay, so um, I guess, um, you know, retail, we've got a retail arm. Uh, so anybody, our, I think our minimum is 50K. Uh, to get in um, and that will uh, then you can participate in our fund and uh, but we do have a wholesale fund as well which uh, people you know with that are uh, considered sophisticated investors or institutional investors can uh, participate as well so but most retail guys are not at that level so a, a sophisticated investor basically means that you have to uh, have two and a half million dollars of assets uh, earn more than two hundred fifty thousand a year, or uh, put half a million dollars into an account. And now, actually, I have got another question, which is really something that's been in the back of my mind for a number of years, right? So I used to work for for AXA, and they had mm-hmm. a, obviously a fund management funds management division. And I remember whilst mm-hmm. I was there, and this like this was I'm talking a number of years ago, possibly uh, possibly. 12 or 13 years ago uh they yeah anyway long story short whilst i was there there was an article that came out saying that like people who had invested in managed funds um which is, i'm guessing is quite different from what you guys are doing uh had over the course of the prior 10 years like that basically everyone had lost money um nobody had made any money from from managed mm. funds and this was i don't know if it was a, just a new zealand thing or what but um that was that was a sort of stat that came out now how is how is investing in a prop trading firm different from investing in in a managed fund okay or a mutual so fund just... for for the guys in the states yeah okay so uh, fund funds management um are usually you know hedge fund of some sort and you you're able to uh, access that through a, um, a, uh, a a share price, basically, of what of their assets, notional asset value. Um, typically, what happens when a or sometimes when they don't make money is that their fees and their costs outweigh the profit that they make. Okay. Yeah. So that's usually why they don't. Sometimes I don't do well. Some of them do really well. BlackRock, you know, all those, the top end uh, funds, they, they continually make money. They don't make that much money. Now, what we're, we're a little bit different. If you're looking, if you're looking to have, you know, a steady, you know, steady term deposit-like type of income, uh, you know, that's not us, right? Where our equity curve has, has high variance, which is high volatility in the equity curve. But, you know, we make 21%, uh, you know, 20 to 30% in a year, okay? You know, our biggest year was 80% that we made net. So, um, you know, on average, you know, a couple of years ago, we only made 4%, okay? So, you know, it's very up and down. Um, So, um, you know, we do, what we run is what's called an MDA, which is a managed discretionary account. And uh, which is like it keeps your your funds segregated and it also gives you access to those funds at any point that you like. With a managed fund, you've got redemption periods, which are three, six months. Uh, so you can only, you can have it only in of those blocks. 
But with, with what I do is anybody who's a trader who's invested with us, they can watch our account in real time. So they can see the, the trades that we're putting on uh, as we go along. Yeah. Okay. So they go along with the journey with us. Uh, with a fund, with a fund you're, you don't see any of the trades. No. Okay. Um, so I guess uh, funds, you know, there's a lot of, there's thousands and thousands of funds. If anybody wants to look at how many funds there are actually in the world, go to a, a website called Eureka Hedge or Barclay Hedge, uh, and they've got a list of all the funds. There's millions of them, right? So some are good, some are bad. You know, usually the really big ones are good, and they and you'll you know you'll see them there up the top. Um, but you know, funds come and go just as much as you know strategies do as well. Cool. Well, look, you've um, cleared the air for for me on that one. So hopefully, some of the other listeners out there have picked up a, a bit of advice or two so Richard look thank you very much again for coming back on the show uh, now we're going to jump on there and get some video footage of your chart and see how this convergence plays out for you guys there at uh, Jackson Capital and um, yeah uh, just last but not least you want to leave the listeners with your web addresses and ways to contact you Okay, so uh, go to leprosproprietarytrading.com.au if you want to become a trader with me. Um, I'm looking for good traders, Whether even if you're an algo trader, come and, and uh, talk to me anyway. Um, if you're discretionary, whether, you know, with your, whether you're new at it or you're experienced, I, wanted, I would like you to uh, contact me anyway. Um, if you want to just learn my strategies and you're not interested in, uh, you know, becoming a trader, you can have a, have a look at uh, convergencetrader.com and uh, you can uh, just get all access all the online uh, resources there. Um, but if you're brand new, I don't recommend that you do that. Um, uh, and if you're interested in the fund and you're investing in a fund, jacksoncapital.com.au. Look, a big thank you to for, for Richard for sharing with us today. Uh, again, everything we've discussed here along with all those links are going to be in the show notes. So simply search for Richard in the search box on tradingnut.com. So it'll be episode uh, seven as well as this episode. So until next time, I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. All right, folks, hope you enjoyed that. Now, do remember to go onto the tradingnut.com website or there should be links on your phone in the description to the show notes where you're going to see this video that we shot with Richard after this episode. And also, be positive this week. Remember, that's the message of the show. Be positive. Be a positive person this week. Try your hardest. See if you can make a positive change in not just your life, but other people's lives as well. And last but not, well, as a last but not least, a couple of other things. One is check out my Instagram and Facebook, Twitter. I'm basically chucking up a visual here about a future guest and it's going to blow your mind okay so guys go and check that out i urge you to go and check that out please do uh and last but not least robot traders club is kicking off into gear we've got new robots new strategies coming up being built being tested as we move forward every day stuff is happening so guys go and check it out robot traders club uh on the trading nut website as well now uh without further ado I think it's time to wish you a happy trading week, and I'll see you guys in the markets. All right, we've got Trading Up Q&A here with Andre Stewart from Chart Artist Trading. So, Andre, the question for today is, do support and resistance levels really matter, or are they relevant in Forex? Thank you from Alexander in the USA. 
No, I don't use them. Um, and it's because I think they're trash. And the reason why I think they're trash is because, well, two things. I can't name a single one trader that trades support and resistance that's profitable. Even that's been on your podcast. I can't name one that says I've been, I probably shouldn't have said that, but uh, <laughs> um, damn, um, who uses a line at a, at a very discretionary price or just because they see hit here, hit here, hit here, hit here, that's, you know, trading full time. So it doesn't matter, especially with Forex, because Forex is a speculator's market. So I think if you dial in to, to, I'm going to give away too much here, but it doesn't matter. But you have to look at a day, look at a higher time frame chart day, daily and above. So one thing happens every single day, every single week, every single month, and even every single year. And it's your job to figure it out. Once you figure it out, and it has nothing to do with volume or anything like that. Once you figure it out, you'll realize that it's arbitrary. And again, I don't know any institutional trader that uses support and resistance um, because, again, they don't, they're not aware of it. But again, I think support and resistance and even supply and demand is all it's it's not relative to trading environments so i'd say look beyond it because everyone who uses it isn't trading full-time thanks audrey great answer to the question uh, and thank you alexander for asking it guys if you have got questions in the future please head over to tradingnut.com and you'll find a link on the sidebar where you can post your questions and they'll get answered in a future episode 